Happy New Year to everyone. Hope everyone gets blessed with the self within your own. That will be definitely a good new year, new birth. Eternal birth. I think Walter wants to ask something. Walter, yes, go ahead, please. Happy New Year, Sanjay. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy uh, New my year. question is, uh, what is your opinion on uh, 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 yoga asanas? Because somewhere Bhagavan says that uh, to increase like uh, sattva guna. And uh, yeah, I just want to know what your what is your take on uh, on uh, yoga asanas. If they help somehow the understanding and uh, if they are uh, uh, producing a kind of, uh, how you call it, the, the energy that is more, more subtile that you can understand the, the teachings of Bhagavan and mm. non-duality in general. Thank you. Mm. So yoga comprises of three things in particular. One is, as Walter just said, yoga asanas, which are different postures of the body. And the second thing, it involves the breath, which we call pranayama. So prana means that life breath, not just the oxygen which you are inhaling, but the breath, life breath, which keeps this body alive. When the life breath leaves along with your mind, the body is dead. And that is all the breathing exercises, Kapalbhati Kriya, Nadi Shuddhi, and a lot others. And then comes the third part, which is meditation, which is one-pointedness, bringing your mind, focusing mind, making it strong for one-pointedness, and then bringing that one-pointedness into, you can, as you are saying, into the inquiry, what Bhagwan is saying, who am I? or contemplating on pointers. So there is no harm in doing yoga. But if you're doing yoga, your intention should be clear. If your intention is about health or getting rid of disease, then it will be fruitful for that. But if your intention is to abide in self, to know the self, then you can also use for that. But the effect of whatever yoga brings, you can call it a progress or moving towards where your self-inquiry can be easy. But most of the rules apply the same. Even whatever practice you are doing, you want to close the holes, leakage of that energy which goes through desires. You still have to follow. And you know in yoga, Patanjali has already given eight disciplines before you even start first step of yoga, yamas and niyamas. And if you look through all those, it actually is the same to stop your mind from moving around. And in yoga it also says the same, chit vritti nirodha. So the chit, the mind's vritti, which it's the way it goes, Haywire to stop that. That is what yoga is.
So if someone likes the path of yoga, definitely they can use all those techniques to bring some control to the mind. But as Bhagwan said, it's only control to the mind. It is not finishing the mind. So by pranayam, because mind and breath both have the same source. So when you control breath, you control mind. When the mind is controlled, our breath is controlled. So by controlling breath, we can control mind. But it is all about control. And yes, it can be taken as a first step. Even Kundalini, people have Kundalini Jagran through uh, yoga. That is profound experience. And then there are a lot of changes in the body. The energy channels are opened up. But eventually you have to dissolve that mind. You have to merge that mind into that pure energy of self. It can be a starting step and it can advance you to an extent also. So all teachings in different sects and religions also talks about watching your breath. Yoga is all about watching your breath. You watch incoming breath and outgoing breath. And in between the breath, when there is exchange, there is a pause. That pause is important. No breath, no mind. When you focus on that, then you can transcend your mind. But I would suggest when you are doing yoga, you need a teacher, you need a guru. For everything you need at some stage, someone who knows, who has achieved from that practice, Otherwise, you progress to a level and then you get stuck. If you would have read the books of uh, by Paul Prenton, uh, Secrets of India, in that he met yogis, you know, who one of them was practicing yoga and had some issues because of um, that energy which flows. So do under proper guidance and it is quite effective. Simple techniques of yoga can be very useful like watching your breath or doing like alternate nostril breathing which is uh, inhaling from the left nostril and then pause, exhaling out from right nostril and then pause and then inhaling. Nadi Shuddhi Pranayama, that can help. But if you go with Bhagwan's teaching, then he says two things about other practices. One he says about yoga is only he picks up pranayama, not the yogasanas. He says pranayama can actually help to control mind. But destruction of mind, mano nasha, doesn't happen with it. So eventually in yoga also you come to the last step if you see all the eight limbs of yoga. Samadhi. So eventually there is culmination into that. But there is only one danger in yoga because it is so much body centered 
then this idea of I am not the body or this reality of I am not the body becomes hard for people to come to that detachment when they are using body so much in postures and all. Other thing what Bhagwan said which helps is the diet food. Sattvic food in limited quantity is very very important. And I want to point out a very important point about food. Food cooked by a person who is God conscious or self conscious a noble person prepared for you to relish and enjoy from the giving heart the food is prepared that is a sattvic food so who is cooking the food what is the intention behind the person who is cooking the food is also important then where that money has come from what source that money has come pro- from to prepare that food or to buy that food if you are eating in a restaurant means of procurement for that food is also important and then comes third thing ingredients sattvic food vegetarian food fresh food and then comes that you are eating it fresh you are eating with that sattvic mindset and in limited quantity because if you see mind depends on food there that is the reason why so many yogic practices they believe in fasting and they don't eat for many days because the they think that will help to get rid of the mind but when you eat the mind comes back again mind also needs food energy and if you're providing a pure food energy it definitely helps for the mind to become pure only yesterday someone was asking me this question that he has seen people vegetarian who are very angry aggressive or whatever and then he has seen people who are non vegetarians they are very calm i would only say that if a calm person who is eating meat if he gives away meat then he will become more calmer that's what i can say because it helps food helps but it's your own choice so if you are already doing some practice of yoga and you think it helps then perhaps you can continue with that but one practice which always will help you and directly will help you to question the one who is asking these questions who is doing all these practices who is that if you ask this question honestly and deeply 
It will take you to the silence. Then what yoga practice and what pranayam needed and what food When you ask this question, who am I? Who is asking this question? And who is responding to this question? Reflect on it. Who am I when that entity which thinks I am this body-mind complex asks this question very, very honestly and sincerely? It goes deep into the core of heart. Where this questioner dissolves, this I dissolves, then who is going to answer? Only that pure silence blossoms from the core of heart. None other than you, pure self. We ask so many questions to so many people. They answer questions according to their relative knowledge, their experience. Which can help us. Sometimes people just answer to the sake of answering a question, whether they know it or not. But here, when the Absolute is answering to the question, Who am I? It is that pure Self. It is reality which is answering to it, not a mind, constructed mind, which has some relative knowledge is answering.
Bhagwan says, when any thought arises, you ask to whom? What does this mean? It is. It just means that you are reminding yourself you are not the ego to which all thoughts report. You know, someone knocks on the door looking for a person and you open the door. So many times you don't even have to ask that person whom he is looking for. He or she sees your face and they know they are at a wrong address and they go away. All thoughts are at the wrong address. After a certain time, you don't even have to say, who am I? Or to whom these thoughts arise? Your vigilance, your attention is enough. Your ignoring thoughts, your not entertaining thoughts is enough. Mind can play, play tricks that the teachings are hard or it's hard to contemplate and let's do something easy. It needs more time. It wants to buy time to be there. So it picks up other techniques. Let's do some postures or do something else or read some other books. Because mind feels constricted when you question directly. Some people have seen so many teachers, read so many books. They are like an encyclopedia of knowledge. But no intuitive experience or perhaps some experiences here and there. You pick up a path, you stay on it and keep your focus on it all the time. If you would have seen Shivling, there is a Bull Nandi facing the Shivling. Always facing towards shivling. That only depicts a seeker who is always looking there towards the self, undeterred, always focused there.
if our focus is there always you're not giving chance to ego to survive but if you think you have done one hour of satsang and that too nothing has been done you are only listening and then you want your mind to take over now then in 24 hours if the mind takes over most of the time then who is ruling your life mind or self activities continue you go you meet people you have to do a task but your focus should be on that self self attention you will be surprised to know that when this effort of putting attention to self also disappears because in reality that is our natural state you stay in that pure awareness and the ongoing movie which we were thinking we are part is so distant to us as if you were playing a role in this movie and you have come out of it the one who was playing the role was only an illusion or i would say if you are playing a role then you are playing a role in everything what you see around you because you are the source through which it is all coming out you are in everything and everyone you are the substrata on which everything is manifesting
body sleeps, body dreams, then body gets awakened. And then who are you? You don't have to transcend body, you are already transcended. You are beyond it. There is a Sanskrit term for it, Turiyatit. Turiya means fourth, which is transcended. Not transcended now, it is always that. You are not going to find anything new. So many people who get glimpses of that awareness, that is what their description is. Which is like out of body experience they call it or they are everywhere. But mind calls it experience. Somehow that door closes again. And for mind it was just an experience. We always see things and we perceive things as they are outside us and our eyes are seeing and the mind is registering and then we are perceiving. In this whole process we take away the self. Same is with our perception of sense of smell, taste, hearing, touch. We take away the self, we never count self. This is the biggest sin. Because everything is coming from there externally. But ego perceives is exactly opposite. Self is the source which is giving energy to the mind and the mind has projected this whole world in front of us. As the name suggests, self is me, self is you, there is only one self. But everyone has to perceive their own self, which we never count, which we never acknowledge.
if you abide in source called self stay as self and then see your mind projections things then your perception is right it is all about where you are looking from it is as if you are standing somewhere which you think you are but it is just your reflection and you always look externally so you are looking through that reflection to other things and someone tells you this is not you this what you think you are is only a reflection and then you ask this question how would i know that this is reflection and who is real me so the only way is if you look within you turn your face towards where you are step backward find that you are the source finding the source will finish off all your suffering because at level where you think you are you think you are a doer playing a role caught up in a situation that is just projection of the mind you are before mind you have to transcend this mind whenever you feel restlessness in you remember it is not you this is a very very important clue to be free from this restlessness which is mind recognize yourself with that pure stillness which we all come back even when we are in the mind stuff when you start differentiating and discriminating between what you are and what you are not then a big change happens within then as if you have receded into that stillness that self 
and rest all what is projected. becomes distant to you. Now you are rightly aligned. You are always counting self first, source, abiding in source, as source. Then there is mind and the projections. Because you have realigned Thing which is projected from you cannot affect you. It has no clue about you. For this you only need right understanding. Now you can't call this self as whatever your name is. It has no name, no form. It has no locus. It does not come and go. It is everywhere. Only locus is a body it uses to communicate at this point of time till that body is Now what happened with that person who was living in the body when you know that yourself? Nothing. There was no person. We use this term that ego has died. It was just an illusion. That is why the snake and rope analogy is so good. There are not two things. That there is a snake right now and then it will turn to rope. It was always a rope. We thought it was a snake. It was just an illusion. We think we are ego. We are always that pure self. And so we call it non-duality. There are not two. There is only one. Advait. Only self. 
Only self does not disprove this world and things around us. It only says it is just a projection which keeps changing, which comes and goes. It's like ocean is saying that the wave does not exist. It exists, but it keeps changing. You cannot show a wave to someone who is not at shore. By the time that person comes, the wave has disappeared. Same is this word, always changing. Nothing is permanent. Except you. Contemplate on silence, not a passive silence, this alive silence of self, eternal silence of self. This silence is peace. And the silence is love. Be with the silence. Only silence is not the projection of mind, rest everything is.
Silence is before any sound. Don't worry about the mind, any thoughts, feelings, emotions. Be that silence. Silence is stillness. Stay in your heart in that pure silence always. Don't try to correct anything. Don't accept, don't reject. Just be.
when you abide in silence first time you will realize that nobody is bothering you nobody can bother you and nobody in this waking dream has any clue about you how can they bother you you are always free you are not a doer when you are not a doer you are also not the one who is on the receiving end no karta no bhogta body will continue doing what it has to do what it is just time to do and one day this body will die but you are always free
contemplating this truth. Don't underestimate power of contemplation. By wrong belief, we are stuck up. And by right contemplation, we can be free. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Thank you, everyone.